0: And this episode is brought to you in part by the Locked On NHL podcast. It's our daily podcast on everything happening around the league. Subscribe to Locked On NHL today wherever you get podcasts. And if you're like me, you spent a lot of last night lamenting what could have been for the Boston Bruins after a Game 5 loss to the New York Islanders. The Bruins are now down 3-2 in this second round series and head back to Long Island for Game 6 tomorrow night, facing elimination for the first time in the 2021 playoffs. We're going to break down exactly what happened in this one and uh, talk about some adjustments that could be made for Game 6. Before we do, a quick reminder to please hit that subscribe button if you have not already. Each new episode will be automatically added to your feed, free to download, listen, and enjoy. Uh, if you could also rate and review, that would be very much appreciated. If you are on Twitter, you can follow the podcast at LO Boston Bruins. On Instagram, the podcast is Locked On Bruins. And you can find me and my dad jokes and hockey tweets at Ian C. McLaren. Now, two stories dominated the Game 5 loss by the Boston Bruins at the hands of the New York Islanders. One was the officiating, and two was the Bruins' inability to kill penalties. We'll start with the officiating. Bruins head coach Bruce Cassidy visibly upset with the officiating following the loss. He didn't hold back his criticism when speaking with the media on Zoom afterwards. The Bruins were called for four penalties during the game, including three over the first 35 minutes. And the Islanders were not whistled for a penalty until 1850 mark of the second period. And the Bruins were only able to kill one of those penalties, but we'll get to that here in a moment. Cassidy, after the game, said, this is my take on it. We're playing a team that has a very respected management and coaching staff. Uh, they won a Stanley Cup, that being Lou Lamarello in New Jersey, Barry Trotz with the Washington Capitals. Uh, But he went on, I think they sell a narrative over there that it's more like the New York Saints, not the New York Islanders. I don't know if he was calling back to a uh, National Lacrosse League team called the New York Saints, or if he was just kind of playing on words there that they're perfect little angels, but um, he went on to say they play hard, they play the right way, I feel weird the same way. The calls, the exact calls that are getting called on us, do not get called on them. And I don't know why. These are very good officials. They're at this point in the season for a reason. But maybe we need to sell them more, flop. But that's not us. You just hope they'd see them. I mean, the same calls go against us. So it's not like I'm sitting there going, well, every call against us sucks. It's not true. The Bruins did have some, you know, justifiable penalties called on them. Although I would say the Shankar Rally one. Um, slash near the end of the first period that led to their first goal that one was pretty weak Um, but Cassidy said the end of the day the similar plays they need to be penalized on those plays for both teams they've done a great job selling that narrative that they're clean they play hard a hard brand of hockey I love the way he played Cassidy said but they commit as many infractions as we do so trust me it's just a matter of calling them Barry Trotz countered by saying they're one of the least penalized teams in the league all season long. Uh, but, you know, his comments earlier in the day in regards to Patrice Bergeron cheating on the face-offs, uh, Bruce Cassidy also kind of took exception to that. He's thrown out of the first two, three, four faceoffs he takes because someone mentioned... Have a little respect for Patrice Bergeron, Cassidy said. He kind of switched uh, gears there mid-sentence. He's up for the selkie. He's been a warrior in this league, face of the franchise, does everything right for hockey, sells the game, and that's the way you treat him? I mean, come on, because someone speaks out and says something, like all of a sudden, they just need to do better than that. Just call the game, call what you see, quit listening to these outside influences, and get it done right, because I don't think they were great tonight. I'm not going to lie to you. But they have been. They're good officials. Um, but yeah, he definitely did not like how the game was called. And judging by the reaction on Twitter during the game, we all felt like that. Uh, Cassidy said he thought the officiating definitely played a role in the outcome of the game. But having said that, The Bruins still needed to step up and kill those penalties, uh, and he acknowledged that after the game. There's a call, there's two minutes that you have to kill penalties, the Bruins broke down. They need to be better on the penalty kill, they have been pretty good all year, but from the blue line back today, it wasn't their best on the penalty kill. When they've broken down, they've gotten saves in the past, and tonight that didn't happen either. Our penalty kill was good all year, there's no reason to think it won't get better, It was great against Washington, but it needs to be done in a hurry. And again, some of that is personnel, obviously. The Bruins are currently playing without Brandon Carlo and Kevin Miller. They're two crucial pieces of the penalty kill, which ranked second in the league during the regular season. Uh, Carlo and Miller eat a lot of those penalty killing minutes. The Bruins certainly miss them back there in those situations, but they've had some breakdowns they need to correct. Guys don't have their abilities on it. We've got to coach them up. Make sure they're better. So that's what's in front of us, and that sticks out right now. There's some five-on-five things they need to work on, but the Bruins five-on-five were pretty dominant in that game. The penalty kill definitely let them down, and they have to get better at it. It didn't help that some of their key penalty killers, uh, you know, Chris Wagner, Sean Corrales, they were the ones taking the penalties, so that takes them off the ice in those situations. And, of course, the losses of... Miller and Carlo really hurt on the penalty kill as well but uh, having said that there still were ample opportunities to get the puck out of the zone Sean turned it over I believe on the second power play goal and uh, that really sunk the Bruins in this one if you look at the shot attempt numbers the Bruins had a 64-30 advantage at five on five uh, in all situations, that goes up to 76-35. Shots were 44-19. Scoring chances were 27-21 in favor of the Bruins. High danger chances were 11-2 to in favor of the Bruins. And expected goals 3.6 uh, to 1.26. So, yeah. You know, the penalty kill definitely played a role in this one. Uh, I won't... Pin the goals on to per se, because you have to, you know, get some help from your defenders. But at the same time, it would be nice to get some saves in those situations. As Cassidy said, the goal is the last line of defense on the penalty kill. They didn't get that extra help. Excuse the um, smoothie making in the background there. But the penalty kill, or lack thereof, certainly the difference in this one. Before we get to some other uh, bits from the game, let's talk for a moment about Wealthfront. Investing can be complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. There's no manual trades, no need to pick stocks, no watching the market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences you control. They can help you lower the taxes you pay as you invest as well. For the average client, their tax loss harvesting can more than cover the low annual 0.25 advisory fee. Best of all, it's automatic. They're trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. All you need is $500 to get started, and you can grow your wealth the easy way, by letting Wealthfront do the work for you. That's Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL to get your first $5,000 managed for free at Wealthfront.com. Rock Auto is a family-owned business, and they've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything you could possibly need for your daily drive or your classic car, and you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Their catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, their prices are always reliably low, and the same for professional mechanics as well as do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts elsewhere? Go to rockauto.com right now, See all the parts available for your car or truck, right locked on in there. how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Now the other big story in this one was Tucarask being pulled after the second period for what Cassidy termed to be some maintenance that needed to be done. Rask recently acknowledged that he's been battling through some kind of injury for the last few months, and he made only 12 saves on 16 shots through 40 minutes of play. Jeremy Swayman took over between the pipes and actually took the loss in his postseason debut after surrendering what turned out to be the deciding goal to Brock Nelson early in the third period, he faced only three shots. The Bruins, I believe, outshot the Islanders something like 18-3 to 3 in the third period. And uh, the one goal was the difference, the one goal that Swayman allowed. Cassidy said, Rask wasn't 100%, so we made a decision. That's the call we had to make between periods. I'll just say he wasn't himself, wasn't 100%. Certainly could have went back in. But we made a decision not to put him back in. Cassidy uh, also assumes Rask will be ready to go for Game Six. There was some speculation on uh, social media yesterday that Rask would not even start. That was after he faced shots from, um, I believe, Carson Kuhlman and Trent Frederick in the morning or before the morning skate, and then actually skipped the morning skate. Um, so there was some speculation that he wouldn't play at all he did get the start he did make only 12 saves on 16 shots and he was given the third period off so you know that kind of feeds into the narrative about Tukarask not being able to step up in big games um, there was even you know Boston radio personalities wondering whether or not We've seen the last of ask whether he has played his last game in the NHL. Uh, overall, he has still been very good in these playoffs. Uh, I wouldn't say, well, I mean, you can't say he didn't have an off night when you give up, uh, you know, four goals on 16 shots for the postseason. He is, um, let's see here, what's his save percentage now? Still at 925, which is very good. Um, but still would have liked to have seen him um, help out a bit more on the penalty kill. Obviously it's difficult for the goalie when you're not getting the coverage in front of you, you're not getting the clears you need uh, to kind of reset, uh, but I don't think Rask is you know, immune from criticism, I'm always in his corner, I think he's much better than Bruins fans give him credit for, um, but... Clearly, something was off last night, and um, we'll see if indeed he's able to go back in for Game 6. Meanwhile, Curtis Lazar left the game in the second period with a lower body injury. He did not return following a collision with Islanders defenseman Adam Pellick. uh, And we'll see if he's able to go. Of course, Jake DeBrusque sat in this one in favor of Karsten Kuhlman. So if Lazar is injured, I would assume that... Nebraska would come back in, perhaps on the fourth line with Corralli and Wagner, or maybe we'll get Trent Frederick in there. I know a lot of fans were hoping to see him at some point. Keep in mind, he hasn't played for a month, he has zero um, playoff experience. I know some people were saying, well, you know, look at uh, Bruins rookies in the past who have come in and made a difference Tyler Sagan, Charlie McAvoy, Tori Krug. Trent Frederick is not. One of those guys, he might come in, uh, disrupt, um, draw some penalties perhaps. He could also take some penalties. But his offensive flair, uh, I don't know, is going to you know change the course of a series by any means. Having said that, if the Bruins think he can bring more energy than uh, Jake DeBrusque, why not give it a shot? I don't know. They're facing elimination, so do what you got to do to get the series tied into a Game 7. David Pasternak, after the game, said it's always frustrating to lose. Wish we could have had about 5-10 to more minutes to tie it. It's frustrating, but we're going to let it go, and the main focus is to get ready for Game 6. Pasternak thinks the Bruins have been the better team, but... Things just haven't gone their way, especially last night or in the last couple games. And like I said, the Bruins outshot the Islanders 44-19, 18-3 in the third period. But that uh, fifth goal by Brock Nelson, just about two minutes into the third, was uh, crucial, obviously, and stood as the game winner. Charlie McAvoy said the Bruins have been in this position before. Uh, and they knew they could do it in the past. They know they can do it now. You know, against Toronto in uh, 2019, they were down 3-2 facing Game 6 in Toronto. They were able to pull that one off and then win Game 7, for example. They also uh, had to go to St. Louis and tie the series there in Game 6 of the 2019 Stanley Cup Final. We all know what happened in Game 7, but at least it got there. Uh, We're a determined group, he said. We believe in each other. We trust in each other. I think our mindset in the locker room was we're going to tie this thing up. We did have good chances. We really went for it there in the third and just kind of ran out of time. The fourth one is the hardest to win. We are going to New York to win a game, and that's all that is on our mind. We want to put our best foot forward and win a hockey game, and that is it. That's all we are thinking about right now, this thing is isn't over so my official stance on game six is yes the officiating was bad Uh, certainly a little one-sided it seemed i'm not a huge whine about the refs guy i think the officiating is kind of equal opportunity bad usually i don't think they favor any teams per se but i do think in this one uh, there were calls against the bruins that weren't called against the islanders and We do have a right to call that out. At the same time, we also need to look at the Bruins' penalty kill and say, you know, you had one job and you didn't do it. Well, you only did it once on four opportunities. Um, And that was the difference in this one. Uh, So we'll see if Miller and or Carlo are able to come back for game six. Uh, We'll see if Lazar is healthy or if, uh, you know, Jake DeBrusque might come back in the lineup. I thought the third line looked a bit better with Carson Kuhlman out there, uh, a natural right-hand shot. But at the same time, it was the top line that generated three goals. David Krejci, uh with the other to bring them within one late in the third, uh, and we're still not getting any, you know, major secondary scoring from this team. I still think. Jake DeBrusque should be in the lineup, but at his natural position. That's where you need to start. He hasn't looked right on the right side. Uh, Sean Corrales has been taken out of his natural center position. Uh, I think Jake DeBrusque can be a difference maker. Uh, He's had a very down season, obviously, in and out of the lineup with scratches, with uh, being on the COVID list, but um, I think in the lineup, In a situation where he's away from top defensive pairings, he could still be a bit of a difference maker for the Bruins, and I'd like to see him back in for uh, Game 6, but we'll get a better idea of that as the Bruins practice in advance of uh, tomorrow night's possible elimination game. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including baseball, basketball, hockey, UFC. Before the next game, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great news, sign up bonuses, and contest information that they have on their website. You don't have to sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. As teams continue their run to league championships, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using promo code locked on bet online, your online sports book experts. Lucy nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Researched and developed for three years to be made for people, not patients, Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in wintergreen, cinnamon, or pomegranate. They also have a lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in cherry ice, citrus, or mint. They're all FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your FSA cards to purchase Lucy now. It's convenient and discreet. They can be enjoyed anywhere, on flights, at work, on the go, even in the gym. Get rid of your cigarettes, unplug your vape, throw out your dip, and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. Go to lucy.co and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL at checkout for 20% off. Uh, warning: This product does contain nicotine derived from tobacco, and nicotine is an addictive chemical. Go to lucy.co. Be sure to use promo code LockedOn NHL. Elsewhere around the NHL, the Montreal Canadiens are the first team to advance to the final four after sweeping the Winnipeg Jets. They've now won. Two playoff series over the past eight days, Monday to Monday, uh, finishing off the Leafs last week and then sweeping the Jets last night. Uh, Tyler Toffoli was the hero in overtime, and the Canadians will now play the winner of the Colorado-Vegas series. Now, I mentioned last night on Twitter that I'm kind of jumping on the Habs bandwagon. That might seem sacrilege to Bruins fans, but uh, I'm a sucker for a good underdog story. I love, uh, you know, small hockey players. Uh, I love Nick Suzuki because of his time here with the Guelph Storm, where they went on a run in 2019 to the OHL Championship. Uh, I really love Cole Caulfield. Uh, and there aren't really a lot of Canadians left from when the Bruins and Canadians played in the playoffs, kind of the heated rivalry back in like 2014, I think it was the last time. Uh Kerry Price, maybe the lone guy left, and I kind of like Kerry Price, to be honest. So uh, I'm rooting for the Canadians until, uh, knock on wood, fingers crossed, they meet the um, Boston Bruins in uh, the Stanley Cup final. Speaking of Canadian teams playing uh, American teams in the playoffs, now that the North Division has been settled, uh, the Canadian government made an exception for cross-border travel for hockey players, meaning the Canadians will be able to host games in the next round. There was some talk that, you know, because of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, that the Canadian team would have to play off-site because of border closures, but that has been resolved. And the uh, Canadians will, again, be able to host. I think they had like 2,500 fans in the stands last night and uh, they definitely made a difference as well. Very loud crowd in Montreal, as you can expect. TSN's Darren Dreger reports teams are contacting the Buffalo Sabres, expressing interest in several of their players, including, of course, uh, Jack Eichel. Uh, that talk will increase ahead of the NHL draft on July 23rd, and 24th there's been of course some disconnect between the two parties on treatment for a neck injury a herniated disc in his neck uh the sabers would probably love to see teams asking about jeff skinner who's making nine million dollars kai lakposo who's making six but uh highly doubt they will be able to be moved The last thing I wanted to mention was the uh, announcement of the three finalists of the Willie O'Ree Community Hero Award. They are Renee Hess, founder of the Black Girl Hockey Club, Kevin Hodgson, the executive director of Heroes, and Howard Smith, co-founder of Pittsburgh Ice. Uh, You can go to NHL.com. And vote for them. Just a quick little blurb about each. Like I mentioned, Renee Hess, uh, founder of Black Girl Hockey Club, nonprofit organization, uh, which helps to inspire and sustain passion for hockey within the black community, specifically for women in the black community. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Black Girl Hockey Club. I've been a supporter of them uh, for a while now. And uh, Renee got my vote yesterday. But Kevin Hodgson, uh, you should know, he's the executive director of HEROES, which stands for Hockey Education Reaching Out Society, which empowers at-risk youth, and superheroes, which provides boys and girls living with physical and cognitive challenges with a safe and inclusive environment as well as an adapted on-ice curriculum and Howard Smith is the co-founder of Pittsburgh Inclusion Creates Equity Pittsburgh Ice a hockey is for everyone program that is committed to offering children of all socioeconomic backgrounds the opportunity to learn and play hockey the Willie O'Ree Community Hero Award is presented by Mass Mutual and honors Obviously, former NHL forward Willie O'Ree, who became the first black player to compete in the league. Uh, He is the NHL's diversity ambassador, traveling across North America to schools and hockey programs to share his story and experiences, as well as to promote messages of inclusion, dedication, and confidence. We are, of course, huge fans of... Uh, Willie O'Ree around here, and the award is given to an individual who, through the sport of hockey, has positively impacted his or her community, culture, or society. Fans are encouraged to start voting until June 11th at NHL.com slash O'Ree Award, and the winner will receive $25,000 US, while the two finalists will each receive $5,000 US Uh, to be donated to a charity of their respective choice. So please go, please vote, uh, learn more about uh, these fine folks, and uh, yeah, support uh, the Willie O'Ree Award and cast your vote. That's it for today's episode of Locked On Boston Bruins. Again, a very disappointing loss, but like Charlie McAvoy said, this thing isn't over. Uh, The Bruins have been tested like this before, and they have... Uh, Been able to push it to a game seven uh, with different outcomes, you know, in uh, 2019, but still there and uh, the Bruins are still alive. I still believe that they can indeed get it done. Tomorrow's podcast we'll do a bit of a mailbag segment. So if you want to send in some questions, feel free to do so at ENC McLaren or at L O Boston Bruins on Twitter or Locked On Bruins on Instagram. Hit me up in the message box there. We'll also preview game six and take a look at any potential lineup changes. I hope you have a great Tuesday, friends. If you need something to do tonight to take your mind off hockey, I suggest Uh, Checking out Mayor of the East Town if you haven't already. Uh, My wife and I are four episodes deep and uh, can't get enough. Such a great, great show. Um, Kate Winslet uh, stars as a detective in uh, Pennsylvania. Anyways, yeah. Thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe if you haven't already. And we will talk to you again tomorrow.